Hey, I'm Sean, and this is the Growth Code Podcast, helping you to create more revenue, profit, and freedom in your business. I'll be sharing the ideas, knowledge, and tools I've gathered over a career of helping businesses thrive. So welcome, agencies, consultants, and service-based business owners. Let's create that seven-figure business that loves you back. You might know that before becoming a full-time business coach and consultant, I came from a marketing background and ran a small digital agency for 12 years. I was slightly nervous about recording this podcast, but I want to talk to you about the seven mistakes I made in my agency business. There came a time during my years at the helm of the agency where I had become so caught up in the boom and bust cycle, I turned to all sorts of things to try and get me off that roller coaster. It was only after a serious episode that nearly took my eyesight from stress that I had a wake-up call. I realized that if I didn't make some changes and pull through, that I may as well close the dang agency. Whilst I've got some stories of triumph, big client wins, and a couple of crazy trips, one of them to Amsterdam, I learned some valuable lessons in between. To this day, I'm still looking back and thinking about what I could have done better. So after going on a journey of fanatically educating myself about business and having the time to reflect, I thought I'd share some of the biggest mistakes I made. And I'm going to be fully transparent, warts and all. My hope is that you take something away, whether it be a light bulb moment or a word of caution, maybe even the inspiration to get you to start changing before your agency or your business changes you. So here we go, the seven mistakes. Number one, not having systems and processes. In my early days, it it might be unfair to say naive, but I put a little bit too much stock into handshake agreements. However, after realizing that disagreements on invoice schedules, scope creep, and stress from the dislocation of expectations, I had to address uncertainty. It was time to put in place some systems and processes. I remember the turning point of creating my runbook, and to this day I still use a similar format with a Trello board that has everything on it from onboarding a client to the kickoff meeting agenda and everything that comes after that. Wherever there is anything that needs to be done twice in your agency, create a process for it. That process could be a simple checklist. When it comes time to grow and eventually scale your agency, you will thank yourself. So I've actually got an example of a client onboarding checklist. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Eliminating confusion for your client, uncertainty for your team and having templates will save so much time and streamline your daily operations. You can get on with your work and get on with adding massive value to your clients. You can't scale your business without systems. So start early, start now and it won't be an overnight thing. It's gonna take time. Number two, not having a handle on job profits. Cash flow is one thing, but margins are altogether a different animal. You can be a beast when it comes to sales, landing new projects, but if you don't have a handle on your margins, you can get as many new clients as you want, but you're going nowhere fast. I was very fortunate to have some coaching with the incredible Keith Cunningham, and it's where I found my love of numbers. Before that, I was awful. 
I mean, I knew my team were busy. I was busy. But that level of activity simply wasn't reflected on the invoice schedule or in my bank balance for that matter. So there are some number things to get to grip with, get to grips with. Gross margin. In an agency business or service-based business, this is tricky. Usually sales less your cost of goods sold is your gross margin or gross profit. Technically, you can put the wages of your producers and your subcontractors in there, but not all their time is spent on fee-earning work. So it's tricky. And for full-time employees, you pay them regardless of how many sales you make or don't make. But what I can tell you is that what you can't see will kill you. If you don't know what your break-even hourly rate is and you don't know the gross margins on your projects, odds are you're going to discover some monsters. One of those monsters is known as scope creep. You agree a cost with a client for a piece of work. The client ends up changing the brief or the project goes in a new direction, but more often than not, the client is not charged for the additional work. You know what I'm talking about, so let me ask you a question. Why are you bankrolling your client's projects? It's time to start getting grips to your numbers. And if you haven't worked out your break-even hourly rate, don't worry. I've got a nifty little calculator tool for you to do that. It'll take a few minutes and give you a whole new perspective. But when you and your team start focusing on profit and not just how many clients and sales you get into the business, things are going to change. The dynamics of the business are going to change. And as we all know, agency owners don't pay themselves very much or very often. And I want that to change for you. Number three, undervaluing and selling retainers. In agency land, I was under the illusion that retainers were a silver bullet. In fact, I think some business coach told me that once upon a time. But he's also the same guy that I flipped the boardroom table and kicked out. So I thought retainers would solve my cash flow issues. I thought they would solve the constant and never ending need to find new clients, new projects. I was tripping over myself to get clients onto retainers as soon as they had a foot in the door. You can read about why I don't advocate for the retainer model in my Forbes article, Stop Selling Retainers and Start Solving Root Problems. So I won't dwell on that for too long. The real lesson was actually about charging more and avoiding the commodity trap. You see, value-based pricing is where it's at, especially for you creative entrepreneurs that create amazing solutions for businesses. When I was on the boom and bust roller coaster, there were times when I could see the bust coming and I would hustle like a woman possessed. I would get my sails on, land more work than we could handle. But in my fear of the bust and in my haste, I didn't charge enough. I took any work that would come my way. The literal penny dropped when I realized we were creating websites for clients that was providing them a powerful tool to grow their business. Trading time for money sucked and I had to adjust our pricing accordingly. I tore up the agency rate card and started communicating with clients that our prices were going up. The funny thing is, no one complained. Maybe it was the way I rolled it out, or maybe it was because clients knew they had us for a steal. Either way, if you want the exact steps to break this habit and the scripts to raise your prices without losing clients, 
I've got you covered, and as you guessed it, there's a link in the show notes. Number four. Paying myself last. Okay, we don't like talking about money, but this one is a kicker. I will never forget the day I was sitting in my accountant's office and he congratulated me for our six-figure net profit. He then presented me with our tax bill and his invoice. All the while in the back of my head, I was thinking, hold on a minute. I've basically paid myself not much more than my most junior staff member and I have to pay the tax man how much? If you've ever looked at the bottom line on your P&L and thought, where's the money? I feel you. This kind of links with point number two. But I summoned up some lessons I learned from my parents when I went off to university and I learned about budgeting and putting money aside in envelopes. I set about opening a separate bank account and got into the habit of transferring cash into the respective pots or envelopes. I started off by setting up one for VAT, one for profit, and eventually I got more sophisticated with it. In fact, I got so good at that, we eventually had about six months operating cash in the bank at any given time so we could weather any storm. I was paying myself regularly a fair wage for the risk and work that I was putting in. And not only that, we had built up a savings pot for things like buying a studio and having Christmas parties in Amsterdam. So if I can encourage you to do one thing, it's to set up at least one different pot or one different bank account for your VAT and tax. Maybe your profit too. Twice a month when you do your invoicing or banking, transfer the VAT amount, the tax, and a little for profit. Even if you start with 1% profit, when the cash is out of sight and out of mind, you won't spend it by accident. You'll save yourself from a lot of stress and eventually you'll have a pot to pay yourself profit disbursements from on top of what you should be paying yourself as a salary. You are not just a money collector for the taxman, and you deserve to be paid regularly. Number five, servicing the squeakiest wheels. Every new project, especially web projects, would start with a fresh enthusiasm and hope that this would be the one... The project where everything goes to plan, on time and on budget. It was that level of optimism that the much older and wiser version of me has a little laugh at now. In reality, we had a production board that we huddled around every Monday morning and we would prioritise things based on who was shouting the loudest. If you're a small agency with limited resources and juggling multiple projects, you get inevitable bottlenecks. But this kind of project management technique is called oil the squeakiest wheels first. I tried pretty much everything in the book. We even tried to switch to agile project management, which definitely has its merits and place for some projects. But what it came down to was three simple steps. Number one, educating clients on our processes. We would share a client success map and bring them on the journey with us so clients knew every step of the way what success looked like and what to expect. We implemented a visual representation of our resources and project milestones. We learned to say no to clients. Whoa, that's big. And if we couldn't say no, we would charge more for the Amazon Prime type requests. And then lastly, we implemented Friday downloads. It sounds weird and I'm sure we could have been more creative but we created a habit 
that every Friday every client received a download. It would be a sort of short and sweet email, video message, voice message, whatever it was, saying what we'd done that week, what wasn't done, why, and the priorities for the following week. We would send that no matter what. It was sent even if there was nothing new to update. When we had milestones, a picture of where we had gaps in resources or where things were bunching up were communicated to clients. Since implementing that, we never got chased because when clients have to chase, that is when tensions start to rise. Slowly but surely, things calm down and we could prioritize better. But it takes developing a new habit and it's like training a muscle in the gym. Consistency was key. The funny thing was that on the very rare occasion where I was late for a Friday download, I would have calls or emails from clients asking if I was okay. Now, isn't that so much better than being chased by a stressed client? Number six, not niching down. Very early on in the days of the agency, I resisted niching down. It felt completely counterintuitive and I didn't want to pigeonhole the business. That irrational thinking might have come from starting a business in a recession, right smack bang in the middle of 2008, and not wanting to leave anyone out of the sales funnel. But it was wrong. If you're selling to everyone, you're selling to no one. As soon as I realized that you didn't have to stick to one niche forever, that if you start going in the wrong direction, you can change, and that you won't be leaving people out of the sales funnel, things started to click. So if you haven't found your niche yet, it's time. Saying that I'm a branding agency or we're a web agency is not going to help with attracting the perfectly aligned clients you want to work with and the ones who are going to grow with your agency. If you take any which work that comes your way and stay a generalist, you'll get caught up in the commodity trap that I mentioned in point number three, and you'll stay a generalist trading time for money. That is painful. I promise it won't be easy to niche down, but if you put the work in to find your niche and get clarity around messaging, you can charge more as a specialist and exponentially grow your business. I have a ton of resources to help you do this, and I promise it'll be worth it. And if you think a niche will narrow your audience, just this week I met a very successful interior design practice who specializes in office design for optometrists. They only work with eye doctors. Can you imagine how much easier their marketing is if they're only speaking to one type of client? Number seven, not understanding where real growth comes from. The greatest leap in quantum growth for my agency was after I went to a Tony Robbins event and learned that there are only three ways to grow a business. There are only three ways to grow any business. You can increase the number of clients you have, increase the average transaction value, and you can increase the frequency of purchase. I had this twilight moment when I realized that I was focused only on getting new clients. But if I could grow my clients, grow how much they spend, grow the number of times they purchase things, well, it would be a whole lot easier. I set about creating a 10-10-10 growth plan to grow each by 10% and quickly realized that didn't just add up to 30%, but a whole lot more. And this started to get fun. I set about creating a poker game to encourage the whole team to create growth. 
Four, kind, four of a kind meant upselling a web copywriting package. Two pairs equated to doing something else, maybe getting a testimonial. Before you know it, the whole team were coming up with ways to innovate and add more value to clients, offering cross-sells and upsells. By the way, I've got a whole blog post on three ways to grow any business, and it includes a link to a geometric growth plan for you to have a play with those numbers. Maybe your growth plan will be 20, 10, 5. I don't know. You need to figure out what works for you. But there you have it. The seven mistakes I made in my agency business. Mistakes can make you or break you. And as John Powell says, the only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. I'm sure that there are plenty more mistakes that I can talk about and maybe I will in the future. But these mistakes I've covered are rudimentary, basic. But when you're stuck in the weeds, the day-to-day, they're not that obvious to you. One by one, they were all valuable lessons that led to me building a six-figure profit agency and more importantly, creating a sustainable business that I actually enjoyed. Did you find any of these helpful? If you're struggling with any part of the transition to get off the roller coaster, let's have a chat. DM me on social media and ask me a question. Let's just have a conversation. And if you're ready, book a no obligation strategy call with me and let's break down what is your biggest challenge. High five. Thank you for listening to the Growth Code podcast with me, Sean Lanigan. If you're ready to crack the growth code for your agency or consultancy business, then DM me on social media, the word growth, or email hello at workwithshawn.co.uk. Let's see how I can help you navigate this wonderful, crazy journey of being a business owner and pave your path to permanent profits.